Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey, it's Dan Kinner here with another episode. Today is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, as I record this. This is episode 49 of the podcast. Today, we're talking to Natasha Sapienza about writing for young, impressionable minds. So, really fascinating conversation. I know that there's a lot of authors out there who do write for younger audiences. I mean, that could mean anything from middle grade to teenagers or possibly even kids. Let's say you're writing uh, children's books, but it's a very great conversation. Now, my books were not intended for a younger audience per se. Um, It's kind of an interesting target of people who uh, like clean content, but also fantasy, fiction, sci-fi type books. Um, You you can tell the difference because the writing style for middle grade books is different. My books are definitely not middle grade. I would say Sunfire is closer to middle grade, but the Lightbearer Chronicles, not so much. Um, Although calling it YA generally helps indicate to people that the content is appropriate for younger and older ages, of course. So anyway, great conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it. Stick around for that. So in terms of updates, we are in full force of preparing for winter here, um, which is good. We're early because last year we waited too late. It was middle of November and it was freezing cold. Now we've looked at the weather and it's supposed to take a nosedive next week, which not super thrilled about, but we did to move move here and I expected the cold, so it'll be great. I think it's just that it's coming so fast and so hard that I'll take a little bit of getting used to. But because of that, we are actually pulling out everything in the garden. I talked about this a little bit last week, but we've actually done a lot more. We're getting into everything harvesting everything regardless of whether or not it's ready and then just dealing with it. We got some potatoes, <laughs> which, you know, some of you may be thinking, you live in Idaho. Everyone, it's the state, the potato state. Uh, but, you know, we've never grown potatoes before. And we don't think we got the watering right because we didn't get a lot of potatoes. Um, did we get more than we planted? Yes. So there's that because seed potatoes actually are potatoes with eyes on them. So you're actually planting potatoes. We did get more than we planted, which is good. And they are very tasty, the ones that we did get. So we got a fair amount, a few boxes of them, I think around 70, 80 pounds of potatoes. Did we want more? Yes. Um, But I think we need to figure out the watering. Um, The chickens, their egg production has decreased crazy. um, And it's just because there's not as much sun. So it's, it's expected. It's just a little bit disappointing because we have We've been able to have all the eggs that we need during the spring and summer, and then winter rolls around and suddenly we have to potentially buy them, which it's hard to stomach when you're paying for chickens to have to buy them, but in the winter, their production goes down. Now, with 20-some-odd tick, 21 chickens that are in laying um, stage, you'd think that we'd have enough, but still we won't. We do have an additional 19 chickens that we need to figure out how to integrate with them. 
If any of you are familiar with chickens, then you will know the chickens are horrible <laughs> to each other. Now, a flock that's integrated together, been with each other since they were chicks, they can generally get along well. Our current flock is kind of savage. We won't get into, if you want more details, I can go into more details, but they're pretty mean. So we're kind of hesitant to integrate the new flock because we're afraid they're just going to fight so much and chickens will end up dead, which it does happen. Um, like I said, the current flock we have, the laying flock, is really mean. The other ones are growing up. We do have a few of the new flock laying little teeny tiny eggs. We get probably one or two every other day from the new flock. Obviously, that will ramp up even during the winter since it's their first year. Um, but yeah, so that's the new problem. How to make chickens play nice. Uh, but fortunately we did think ahead for the eggs and we actually water glassed some eggs. So if you're not familiar with that process, it's essentially you take pickling lime and you submerge clean eggs. The key is they have to be clean unwashed because you need to keep what's called the bloom on the outside of the egg, which protects the inside. And you gently put them in this water bath full of pickling lime. Now that makes them shelf stable. Um, so we put them in this bucket. We, we got, I want to say eight dozen eggs, perhaps more. Um, I think probably more eggs in buckets on our shelves in food stores. So it was a little bit weird. We've never done this before. Um, shelf stable eggs is definitely something I've never, I never thought we'd have to figure out, but fortunately we did think ahead and we preserved a bunch of eggs. So that is helping us as we're losing some of this productivity. Mainly we use it in stuff that's cooked because it does they're they're flavored a little differently it's not dangerous or anything and they're not bad it's just something in the water and the lime i don't know it, it just it doesn't taste the same so we use it in cooked things such as like pancakes or or waffles or and then we're saving the fresh eggs when we actually eat straight eggs so that's been a fun experience we've also freeze-dried some eggs which not our favorite but hey we've got eggs for the future we planned ahead so that's it for the homestead. Just trying to prepare for winter. Uh, the goats are fine. They're they're starting to grow their thick coats and they get really, really floofy. It's funny to see it happen. Then, of course, they shed that in the uh, the spring and summer. So, um, yeah, that, I think that's it for the homestead. As far as author, just trying to uh, to keep the momentum of my new project. I had my parents and my wife recently asked me, well, you're writing a book. What's the new book about? Don't even ask me what my currently published books are about. There's no way I can possibly describe it in, in simple words. People say you should practice the elevator pitch, so to speak, with your books. And have I done enough of that? Probably not. But the current book, the main problem is that I don't know all that it's about. I mean, I've got a bunch of characters. I've got this pretty complicated magic system. I've, I've built this really interesting world. And there's a lot of intrigue. But... It's so hard to tell you exactly what it's about until, you know, I get further in. Now, I am about 36, I want to say 38,000 words into the, the story now. And it's amazing that I still can't describe what it's about. Um, that is the life of a pantser. I, I don't plot anything and new things, new developments are coming as I go. I've been trying to figure out the best routine. They say that getting into your writing sessions is best set by a routine that you follow every time you need to get into the creative mindset. Now, I haven't been great at establishing a routine. I'm trying to get better about that. Normally, I could just write, and it flowed relatively easily. These days, just a lot going on. I'm more tired because of children waking me up in the night and whatnot, so I do need to figure out that routine. 
Um, but I've been trying to listen to orchestral kind of really calling music while I'm doing other things, such as working in the garden, doing animal chores in the morning and afternoon slash night, um, and just really letting my mind just think. And I do come up with some plot points, but I don't write them down. I don't, <laughs> for something, in my mind, if I write them down, I, I lose the excitement of that creativity. And I know some of you may be thinking, that's insane, you're going to lose it. Perhaps if I lose it, then it's not part of the story. That's my mantra. I did write a couple things down, but for the most part, it's just, it just gets me into the mindset, which helps me when I get to the writing portion. So that's been good. Um, in terms of the audiobook, I am still listening through it. It's just going to take me a while to get through the AI generated audiobook. For the most part, everything is pronounced fine. Uh, I believe the first two books, Awakened and Transformed, are technically live on Google Play. Um, and as I make team changes to the audio, I'll publish it and it should fix the audio that you have. I'll double check on that. Um, Regardless, you can technically get Awakened and Transformed as AI-generated audiobooks on Google Play. Now, once I'm done with that, I do plan to extract that, upload it to BookFunnel, and then sell direct from my site for cheap price. I'm not going to charge a normal audiobook price for AI-generated. It's going to be relatively cheap. Um possibly even less than a paperback because I recognize it's AI generated. It's not perfect. And some of you just need something to read you the book. But I must say this British male voice is delightful to listen to. One of these days, times I got to play a sample for you so you can hear what it sounds like because it's quite impressive. I think they've done quite a good job with that AI. If I didn't write fantasy and have so many strangely pronounced words, it might not be a problem. But naturally, Lots of made-up words. That is the nature of fantasy. So that's where I am with the author business. I believe that is everything. Um, we'll go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast. Hey, Natasha. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you doing, Dan? doing very well. I'm very excited to talk to you, um, a fellow clean author who happens to also be Christian. So I feel like and you've got five kids. So we have we have a lot in common and it's amazing to meet people, to meet people with commonalities. Um, but I am particularly excited about talking to you today about um, authors and their words and how um, their words impress on the minds of young readers. But before we dive into that, I always love to ask, how long have you been writing and publishing books? Well, I have pretty much been writing. I think that the the strongest memory I have of me knowing I enjoyed writing and wanted to continue writing was when I got that little like FCAT, like the highest FCAT award for uh, a creative writing mm -hmm. that I did um, for the test. And so ever since then, I always, you know, just made up stories and created stories. And then um, back in specifically back in 2011, um, that's when I went to the Florida Christian Writers Conference. And um, shortly before that, I had, you know, I was so uh, inspired by what God did in my life um, in, in just how he healed my broken heart that I had started a blog. Uh, all about, you know, uh, single women and kind of like encouraging them, you know, with all the heartbreaks that I went through and then how God brought me who I call my dream prince. And from there, 
I was like, man, I should make this a book. And so I did write a whole book. I had self-published it. Uh, didn't really learn how the craft until I went to the Florida Christian Writers Conference. And that's also where I met author Brian Davis. Have you heard of Brian Davis? I have. Yeah. I haven't actually had a conversation with him yet, but. Oh, well, yes, he, I met him there and um, he took me under his wing. And I, from then on, uh, would call him my Obi-Wan Brianobi. (laughs) And, you know, he really uh, taught me a lot. He had like a teen track. And uh, from that point, like that point on, you know, I actually had, you know, what, what is now Prodigy Prince. And he saw the very early draft. And uh, I just remember him like there was red all like all over the page. And he was like, but don't be discouraged because I see that you have a gift and I just want to help you shine. And I was like, oh, my gosh. OK, Lord. So from, th- from that moment on, I guess you can say is like really when I was like, OK, got it. I really feel like you want me to do this um, and I'm going for it. I think that is really amazing. So how many books have you published so far up to now? So technically, you can say three that are published. Uh, you got, you know, Prodigy Prince, Withering Princess, the first two in the Seven Covenant, My Wife Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have a novella series, which, uh, you know, that, that book I mentioned earlier about my testimony that I had previously self-published. And it, it was trash because I didn't really know how to write. Mm. Um, but I reworked that. And I actually turned it into a novella series where it's going to be three books. And um, the first one is out now, Wanted, A Boyfriend Who Doesn't Suck, The Phantom Lover, named by my husband, of course. <laughs> and I'm going to, it's on Kindle Vella, but I'm actually going to turn it into, um, you know, physical novella books um, pretty soon. And, and I'm going to re-release them uh, in, in about three months or so. Awesome. That's really cool. So one thing that we have talked about uh, you know, before via chats and we exchange comments on TikTok videos and whatnot, um, is just the, the content of the books that we write are clean in nature and they are intended to be, I use the word safe, uh, but appropriate for, for kids of all different ages as well as adults. I mean, I know that type of content can be enjoyed by people in all walks of life. And, you know, I'm curious to know, have you always been a, a pretty big reader yourself, even from a young age? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was the kid who I I inherited it from my dad. My dad, um, he wasn't raised. I wasn't actually raised um, in a Christian home. I mean, my my Mm -hmm. my parents were like what they call uh, what is that? C and E uh, Catholics just Mm -hmm. going for Christmas and Easter. Um, And, you know, but oh, like, you know, I I, I had my little religious prayers that my mom, you know, taught me. uh, But that was like the extent of it. Um, But. Basically, I, my dad told me, and I'll never forget the story of, even though he was raised a single mom and his dad was in prison, uh, he came from Cuba when he was um, about five years old, he was an avid reader. And he told me that he broke into a library one summer and he stole uh, a huge box of chapter book Westerns. And he said he read over a hundred books that summer. And so fast forward to me. Um, you know, my dad gets me a Harry Potter book and I devoured those books. And from that point forward is when I really began, um, you know, just reading, uh, fantasy books. And then when I got into high school, I chose like library eight as an elective 
so that I would be able to, you know, uh, read books and return them basically whenever I wanted. Um, so yeah, ever since elementary school, um, because Harry Potter was coming out when I was uh, in elementary school, I, I would say that I've been um, an avid reader. I definitely don't read that much now with the five kids, um, <laughs> but I do still love to read. I'm the same way. I, it, it, look, if I had a choice, I would probably read for days on end. But, you know, when you become an adult, that's not as much of a choice <laughs> anymore, which is is totally fine. Life, life just shifts and changes. But I'm always trying to read something. Um, have often multiple current reads, but I think that's really great to hear that kind of reading has been common in your family. It's definitely been common in my family. I've always been a reader. My eight-year-old um, is already proving to be a really avid reader as well as his younger brother, his seven-year-old. Of course, the younger ones aren't quite to that phase yet, but it's just really exciting. Uh, but admittedly a little nerve-wracking, right? Because it's it's hard to know what content is out there since I I don't have time often to preview every book. Mm. Um, and so it's nice to identify, hey, certain authors you can trust in that way with content that you're giving to your kids. So um, I guess, how have you, well, what made you originally decide to write the books that you do, making them safe for younger audiences? So... The the first book that that made me an author, right, which is my testimony book, Um, it was mm -hmm. then called, well, I'm not even going to say what it was called before. Mm -hmm. It was just horrible. And you could kind of find it, but like not really because it is pulled from the shelves. But my testimony book, um, I was inspired to write that because writing the blogs, uh, the blog, um, I saw how much that was impacting girls. And I was like, wow, you know, this is like a ministry. Like these blogs are really um, being used in these girls' lives. And um, I just, I don't know exactly, you know, what the moment or, or, but I was like, I have to write down what God did in my life with, you know, my love life and and how that was part of my, my testimony. And, um, you know, so first that book was actually for uh, young women. Um, and uh, I would say, you know, older teenage girls. Um, and then when I was sitting in a church one day out of nowhere, just like this, the title, uh, you know, uh, it was just the seven and instantly with that came, okay, it's going to be seven main characters. One of them, you know, representing Jesus, um, and the seven spirits of God, it was like the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, um, you know, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, it, it's somewhere in Isaiah. Uh, and I, that's all I knew and that it was a fantasy series. And I got all of that just with that random, you know, name drop in my head. And I was honestly, I don't know, I don't know why, but I was very intimidated and I was like scared to write it. And I was like, God, you're asking me to write a fantasy novel. Like, you know, like I read fantasy, but I'm not by any means like an expert in this. You know, at this point I was only writing, uh, my nonfiction blogs and my nonfiction testimony book. So I was like, I, I sat on it for like a couple months, but then God continued to, um, open doors and, and give me favor. And I was, you know, sponsored and able to go to, you know, the Florida Christian Writers Conference. Then Brian Davis took a particular interest in, you know, um, my, my book and in me as a person until this day, we're very good friends. 
Um, and so I, I really felt like, wow, this is like kind of like a calling and, and a confirmation to me that God wanted me to do this. And um, I mentioned Harry Potter. Okay. Now I know not everyone agrees with me on this, but um, part of the the inspiration for me and the motivation was when I was a kid um, and I read the Harry Potter books, I, I'll never forget. I was at home and our computer was downstairs and my dad, you know, he worked six days a week. Um, and it just so happened that he was home that day. He was off and I was on the computer and I was on a witchcraft website and I was looking, I was maybe like 11 years old or 12 years old. Um, I was definitely not in high school and I was looking up how I could become a witch because I loved Harry Potter and I thought it was really cool. And I knew that witchcraft was a real thing. And hey, I could be a witch, you know, if I wanted. And I could do like maybe cool spells and stuff. So I just remember being on the website, reading about this. And then I just, you know, it had to it had to have been God. Because even though we weren't uh, religious, so to speak, or, you know, uh, like I said, I was raised like, uh, you know, Catholic, sort of. We had been invited to a Baptist church. And it was like the first time that we actually heard the gospel, my family, when I was like 11 or so. And we all were just crying and we, you know, went up to the altar, we said a prayer. And after that, my dad started, you know, attending every single Sunday, um, this non-denominational church. And he, and I knew that he was reading the Bible. So I knew that much. So then I asked him and I said, dad, uh, what does the Bible say about witchcraft? And, you know, he emphatically was like, oh, yeah, no, you know, the Bible says like, it's, it's, no, it's an abomination. Or he said, you know, he used very strong language that I, I just exited out. He had no idea. I didn't even tell him, hey, dad, I'm on this witchcraft website. You know, I just, I exited out and I never looked back. And so, you know, fast forward when I got this idea um, and I'm sitting in a church not long after that, I, you know, I was at Universal Studios and, and, and I saw, you know, some young guy walking by with his Harry Potter cloak and my heart was breaking, you know, Dan, I'm going to be real, real honest with you. Um, and I began to pray and just really pray and, and be like, you know, God, um, although, you know, it, that that's not everyone's, you know, story that has read the book. Um, I just felt like, man, God, I want to be a light in this arena, particularly. And if that book could lead me to uh, darkness, how, what if, you know, like you can use me and you can use this book to bring people a little closer to you or full blown to you. And um, the, one of the, my biggest fans, if not my biggest fan is a girl in Portugal and she's not particularly, uh, I would say a really strong Christian. But she told me after reading my book that she desired to read the Bible and it made her really want to start reading the Bible. Um, so yeah, Dan, that's, that's, uh, pretty much <laughs> why I, I write right there. You know, that, that's why I write. Well, I think so you, you, you've outlined a couple of things here that everybody knows. I mean, there's definitely science around it, but minds in their young phase are, they're in the phase of learning and just absorbing information and taking it and, um, you know, their lives can be modified or changed by the content that they're consuming, whether visually or uh, via words or, or whatnot. And so it's definitely something that as parents, many of us are 
are trying to keep watch on because we just want to make sure that they grow up being able to make the right decisions and, um, you know, be good people. I think everybody wants that. And so sometimes it's tricky because we all have different opinions and perceptions about what is um, correct or, or good content mm-hmm. for them, but just recognizing that, hey, these are young minds and hopefully we're teaching them the right themes and the right ideals, whatever that right may look like for one person. Everyone has kind of their own vision for for what they think is right and wrong, but just recognizing, mm-hmm. hey, these these minds are here for molding in a positive way. And so, and that's where, where it comes down to, uh, when we're using the term clean here, of course, but the content in books should be what we hope that they will see, what they they will learn from them. And so your books sound like have very strong religious themes. And I think you've mentioned this before, um, but definitely set in kind of a, a young adult or just like a fantasy realm. Um, is this a series that's going to be continuing for a long time? Or is it like set to be a trilogy or maybe five books? Just curious. Well, originally it was supposed to be a trilogy, um, but then I wrote book two. And it is a, a high fantasy world. Um, so it's not like, you know, uh, anyone's named Jesus or, or anything, but the world of Zephorus, you know, it has like five kingdoms and just the book kind of got a little bigger. And I realized, um, you know, the, <laughs> the mission seems like it's going to take a little longer than expected to accomplish. Um, and so I, at this point, it's likely going to be um, four books. I don't know if it's going to be more than that, but it's most likely going to be um, at least four books at this point. Well, that's awesome. And then, of course, there may be spinoff books. I mean, who knows? I, <laughs> as authors, sometimes we just don't know how things will turn out. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the type of books that I read as kids, some of them had religious themes. Many of them did not. But the thing that I learned to appreciate as a child is you know, recognizing adventure, recognizing just like the imagination and being taken to different worlds, but also recognizing when I came across content that didn't make me feel very comfortable and being open about that, right? And those are sometimes hard conversations to have with kids and and we can try to keep an eye on uh, you know, what kind of things they're consuming, but also ensuring that, hey, you know, if there's something in a book or or something that you see that makes you uncomfortable, it's totally okay to just stop, right? <laughs> you can you can close it, you can stop. Um, and I think, you know, that is also a, a really important lesson to learn because sometimes it's hard to keep a watch on everything that the youth see. But I, you know, I, I appreciate that I have as an independent author, and I know that there's a lot of traditionally published authors that can make the decision, you know, if they want to write explicit content, they they have the agency to do so. And if they want to market to certain audiences, they they can. And so I appreciate that I and you have the agency to write content that is appropriate and exciting for people of all ages. So, you know, it's just really cool. I I appreciate the agency and how easily things can be published nowadays. I know it was not as easy 30, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, but it is becoming easier, which can be a positive thing. So So how are you, um, how are you identifying, how are you finding the people to, to read your books? You have target audiences for, for your books specifically? When I, when I first 
uh, released this back in December of 2017, um, I, I was not particularly looking for, for Christians. I was just Mm -hmm. looking for, you know, fantasy readers. Um, and a lot of the, um, you know, the, the secular fantasy reading crowd did enjoy the book. Um, you know, there was, there was a few of them that mentioned that they noticed the themes. Some of them didn't, um, you know, mention that. Um, but they, I noticed that no one was really offended. There was one girl out of like, maybe, uh, I think it was like maybe 40 or so of them that was like, Oh, it's like if Harry Potter meets the Bible, hmm. you know, um, she was like the only one who I guess, you know, it, it was louder for her. Um, but you know, another thing that I, that I try to do is, um, I don't, I don't contrive and I don't force it. I'm a pantser. So what I would do is, you know, call me like hyper spiritual to be praying over my writing, but I would always pray and just be like, God, lead the story, you know, um, this is for you and, and, and yada, yada. And then I would just write. And, and it was so funny because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be thinking about that. I'd just be like thinking about the plot and like, oh man. And then, you know, this had happened and I'd be like, okay, whoa, you know, the story is just going wherever, you know, um, it had very, very little planning. Like I told you, like I had only that that notion that there were seven characters that were going to, you know, represent. And, and it's funny. Cause I didn't even like, even though that, <laughs> even though that was like this thought that hit me while sitting in a church, um, I didn't sit there like, okay. So like, how would this person say this? If he represents the council of, my-? I didn't even do that, honestly. So sometimes like I go back and I read the book and I'm like, oh, I wonder like, like, are these characters portraying it? And and, and I think of Elisena in particular, who is, you know, one of Noel's closest sentinels. And I, and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Wow. Like she, she does like have that, uh, that, that, uh, respect, you know, that reverence, that kind of like, like fear of the Lord, so to speak, but, um, just, just this beautiful, quiet spirit, um, about her. And, and there's so many things in there that when I read it and like over and over again, and I could be like, wow, like, oh my gosh, like I did not intentionally put that. And then people, right. My readers, um, especially obviously the Christian readers, um, will bring up things and, and say things about it, like, and point things out, right. That I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. You know? So I, I think that where you personally are at right in life and, and where, what your passion is, you know, what you're full of, right. Is going to come out. Like even as a writer, you know, if you're at a place, right. Where you're maybe struggling with something, you're very sad, you're very depressed. Um, and you're writing the book, chances are some of that is going to be in there. Um, so being someone who, um, you know, I, I read, I read the Bible a lot. Um, there is, you know, there's going to be things in there that without me even realizing, you know, even like, like, right with, with, with how we speak before I, I surrendered my life to, to Jesus, I actually swore like a sailor. And I remember for the life of me, I could not bring myself to stop. And it was really, it was really awesome and, and kind of miraculous. Like after, uh, you know, I, I began reading the Bible and it was not long and it was literally no effort whatsoever. I just remember stubbing my foot, stubbing my toe in my bedroom. And instead of my typical swear word, what popped out of my mouth was snap, crackle, pop. And I was like, (laughs) oh my, it hit me right then and there. I don't, I don't swear anymore. Um, And so 
you know, again, like what, what's in you is, you know, my, my world is full of color and it, and just so happens that I'm a very like, you know, colorful person. I love, you know, flowers and bright colors. And so again, just like what is in you is, is going to fall on the pages. And it's not even like, it has to be contrived. It's just, I, I kind of like spill my heart onto the page. Like I said, I just flow, I'm a pantser and whatever happens, happens. And then, you know, when I go back and, and edit, I also don't purposely go, oh, you know, um, let me throw in a Bible verse or something. Like, I don't, I don't think that way. You know, I just go back. And if now, if I see something that, oh, wait a minute. Um, okay. This is for a young reader. And I've actually, Brian Davis, before I launched book two, cause I went to this, uh, you know, the, the FPEA, you know, the biggest like Florida homeschool conference. Right. Um, or actually I heard it was the biggest homeschool convention in the nation, but, um, Brian Davis happened to be going and I was going to sell my books there in person for the first time. And, um, I said to, to Brian, because book two has a little bit like some more mature content. There's a, like a Rahab character, right. Mm -hmm. In the book, you see, I didn't plan that. I was like, Whoa, where did that come from? But (laughs) she's in there. Uh, you know, Miriam is in there. And so I, I, you know, I brought to him uh, some examples of scenes and I said, you know, Brian, what do you think? You know, this is, this is for teenagers. You know, um, I, I tell people like book one, uh, middle schoolers, I, I, I think will be totally fine, but book two, here we go. You know, we have this, these more mature, you know, themes and experiences kind of like, you know, when you go in the Bible and you're like, Whoa, should I read that out loud to my kid or not? Maybe, you know, I, I should leave some of that stuff out. You know, it, it it's kind of like one of those things. And Brian Davis, you know, he was so awesome. He was like, he was like, okay, yeah, this can be, you know, a little intense and, you know, there's a way where you can actually write this and term this where it's a lot more subtle and like your older readers, you know, you're, you're 16, you're 15, like they'll get it, but your younger ones, it'll kind of more so go a little bit over their heads. And, um, and, and that really helped me. And once, you know, I saw him in action and he actually took a Miriam line and he transformed it. I was like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like this stuff is actually not necessary. Like a lot of it, you know, like sometimes you, you think, Oh, well, man, uh, you know, the kind of men that would be around her, like they're not going to speak. Oh, this isn't going to be real. Um, you know, if she's this kind of way, but then you're like, I don't know. It, it was, it's just like, you see, you see someone else, especially someone as amazing and seasoned and experienced as Brian Davis, who he does this, you know, he takes hard topics, even like abortion, you know, he has in his books and he's able to kind of make it in a way where it's not too intense for younger readers. And so he helped me to really see, um, how to do that. And I'm actually, you know, kind of comfortable like now, like, Hey, you know what, even, uh, if a 13 year old, you know, picks up the book, um, it's, it's less, I would say even intense than certain parts of the Bible where you see stuff and you're like, Whoa, that was gruesome. <laughs> there is some of that. Yeah. Actually, it's just a little bit funny. Recently, someone asked me, um, if my, my books are appropriate for a 13 year old to which of course they definitely are. They said, uh, I said, what have they been exposed to from a violence perspective? Just cause I was curious. And they said, well, they've read the Bible. And I was like, oh yeah, my books are definitely not <laughs> as intense as the Bible in some places. Exactly. <laughs> I can agree 100%. <laughs> so I mean, there's, I mean it's, it's fantasy. The Bible, then, all right. Yeah, right. So um, I think that's amazing. Coincidentally, I am also a pantser. So everything you said makes total sense. I also don't plan for me. It takes the magic out of writing. 
Um, I like it, the story to just take me where it goes. And so I, I plan very, very little. Um, and, 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 and I think it's great, though, that we have kind of this perception of even if there are hard topics or, you know, some difficult content that we want to include in our books that we come at, we approach it from the perspective of, I recognize that younger audiences are going to be reading this and I want that to be okay. And so I'm going to frame it in this perspective where it makes sense for them and it's not going to be overwhelming or off-putting for either them or their parents. Um, And so coming at the conception and creation of your book from that perspective helps to keep it within those bounds. I mean, not that I ever was, was tempted to leave those bounds because I, I, I write the books I like to read <laughs> as well, right? I yeah. like to read YA books. I like to read clean books. That's just <laughs> what I do. I don't I don't read books with explicit or, or that type of content. It's just my preference. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I, you know, I think it's it's great and it's great to meet you and know that your books are appropriate for my children. Of course, I want to read them. <laughs> I, I plan on reading them, um, but just finding more authors that's like, you know what, you, my eight-year-old, nine-year-old, you you can read this book and, and I feel okay about it, which I think is really exciting. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I bet we could probably talk for so long about it, but we are running short on time. I always love to ask, where can people find more information about you and your books if they want to pick them up? Yeah, well, my website, which is natashasapienza.com, which I know it's kind of like Sapienza. I tell people it's spelled pretty much the way it sounds, S-A-P-I-E, and it's in Nancy's, is in Zebra, A is in Apple.com. Uh, yeah. And, and just, you know, NatashaSapienza.com. And, and I, obviously I have links to, you know, my social media and my TikTok and, you know, uh, my Instagram, which is all my, my handles are Natasha Sapienza author. Awesome. Well, that's great. And I will make sure to put that information in the show notes so that they can easily access that if they want to take it, your look at your books, but thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Yes. Thank you so much, Dan, for having me. And um, I'm excited for you. Uh, and, and seeing your, your TikTok growth and you're a really, you're a funny guy. I'll give you that. You're definitely a funny guy and, uh, some days. and, and a part-time model. <laughs> or something. I, I don't, don't know if I would tout that as an accomplishment, but Hey, I'm enjoying it. So. <laughs> I hope you thought that was helpful. I know that it was really interesting and insightful to to, to chat with her because though our writing styles may be different, I don't think that our goals are that different in what we're writing for younger audiences. I can just remember so many times I read books that just amazed me that I absolutely loved. I captured this love of reading as a teenager and I definitely want that for my kids. But when it comes to content, you know, I think people need to realize that yes, we recognize that everyone should have the choice that they have to read what they want. And that's no exception for kids. The difference is they need to have reached a certain age before they can properly make that decision. So um, I'm trying to, to make content. I know Natasha is trying to make content that is appropriate for kids and adults all alike, depending on your preferences. Um, if you have questions for me, comments or whatnot, definitely let me know. You can find me on all the social media sites, Dan Kenner, mostly author Dan Kenner, but otherwise it might be Dan Kenner. And let's make this a conversation. Let me know if you have thoughts, questions, or if you'd like to join me on my podcast, um, you can email me at authordkenner.com 
com. excuse me, authordkenner at gmail.com. Now, at the end there of the interview, she talks a little bit about me modeling. I've, I've taken a strange turn on TikTok, so I know some of you might not be into TikTok, but if you want to see my ridiculousness, you can definitely follow me there. Um, I think I've reached a strange point in the videos that I make where I don't find that I really care what people think about me, which is funny because when I first joined the social media app, I was very uncomfortable with it. But yet here we are. Now I am doing silly things such as model walks. But that's just a little bit of context for you at the end of that video. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Next week, I'll be talking to Arabella Federico about writing craft. So it's a really amazing conversation. I think you'll really like it. But tune in next week for that. See you next time.